you have your Bibles and you want to open to John chapter 17, that's where we'll begin reading from the Bible soon. In just a few minutes, we're going to partake of uh, unleavened bread that represents Jesus' body. And we're going to partake of fruit of the vine that represents his blood that was sacrificed on the cross for our sins. We, we pass trays around to do that, but we have some individual bags available for those who would like an individual bag of the emblems. If you could raise your hand and let me know now, uh, that would be convenient for everyone. No? Okay. Those of you who know me know that I'm terrified of heights. Um, I have no idea where that comes from. It's just a fact. Um, when it, if I'm out hiking and see a cliff, you know, I'll point at it and I'll say, oh, look, there's certain death. You know, I, I went to the Grand Canyon, and I was surrounded by certain death. It was everywhere. Um, I, I've ridden that, that elevator on the outside of the Westin. That's certain death. <laughs> and now, I, I use that phrase, right, certain death, just to sort of describe, impart to you how I'm feeling about heights. Right? It's just it's a, it's a way to describe. Obviously, I've never faced certain death because I'm alive. Right? I mean, that's... That's how you define certain death. Everyone who's faced certain death has died because it was certain. Um, so I, I use that phrase to, to convey those emotions and give you an idea, but, but Jesus did face certain death. And, and when I say that, I don't want to give the impression that, like, uh, he was powerless to avoid it. And, like, he was terrified of what was coming because he couldn't do anything about it to stop it. Uh, it, in fact, it's he kind of he faced certain death in a way that no one else ever faced it or was confronted with it, because he planned it before he created the earth. Like he he planned his own sacrifice before he created the people that would need the <coughs> sacrifice. So this was like a certain death. It's like as certain as certain gets. You know, sometimes people in the world they they say, oh, that he, you know, he or she was facing certain death. Well, you don't really know because you can't see the future. I mean, unless you're already in free fall off, you know, the Westin, um, you know, you, you face certain death for a few seconds, right? I'm, I'm talking about like knowledge that he had in his own plan to save. He faced certain death. Um, and I'm pointing that out to help us kind of get into his, his shoes or in, into his head for just a few minutes this morning. There's lots of ways that we can remember Jesus. We can look at the way he lived his life. We can look at the things that he taught. But I want to look at this prayer in John chapter 17 because I think it shows us how he was dealing with facing certain death. And really, it doesn't start in, in John 17. It, it, it starts, I think, quite a bit earlier than this. Um, but before we read that, I want to I give you some questions to kind of think about as, as we're reading through this. How would you face certain death? Who would you want to be around? Who would you want around you? Who would you not want around you? Not just around you, but who would you want to like talk to, like have a, have have conversation with? 
And I, again, I'm, I'm talking about certain death. I'm, I'm not talking about like, oh, I'm doing something risky and I may or may not. This is certain. Like, it, it's, it's definite. What kinds of things would you want to say to those people? What would you want to hear, hear back from those people? What kinds of things would be on your mind in the moment? Would you be like obsessed with the event itself? can't really function. I mean, that's where I would be. I know that's where I would be. I would not be functional. <laughs> like, my mind would be like, I would be playing out, what's this going to be like over and over and over. I, I really wouldn't be. So what, what would you be thinking about? What would be on your mind? And I, I think, kind of to wrap all this up in, in one question, where would your focus <coughs> be? What would you be focused on in those moments before certain death? Now, you know, kind of a spoiler alert for Christians, this last question has both a peaceful and an, and an exciting possibility. We, we could say, well, I'd be focused on the future. And that's because of what Jesus has done, right? Future not being on this, on this earth, right? But future in exactly what Blake was talking about this morning, the resurrection. So we, we could be focused on that, right? We could be focused on that future. And I think Jesus is focused on the future. And I think John 17 bears that out. So let's read. I'm just going to read um, this whole chapter so that we can see what Jesus was thinking about as he faced certain death. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world, they were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. 
Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. So what was Jesus' focus? Did you ask the question of the text as you were reading through that? You know, we, we, I have pointed out and others have pointed out in the past, Jesus spends the first few verses, or he prays for himself, and then he sort of prays for everyone else. But I think if you are fair with the text and you really focus on it, from start to finish, it, the focus is really on the Father and what the Father is about to accomplish because of Jesus' sacrifice. Most of the things that he prays for, these things can't happen. Jesus isn't sacrificed. I mean, you, pretty much all of these things, none of these things can happen. So Jesus is praying for the result. You see, his focus is beyond. He's praying that the Father would keep them. Well, what's the purpose of the Father keeping them in his word if Jesus' sacrifice never happens? It's no good. Praying for unity. What's the purpose of these people being unified if Jesus' sacrifice never happens? You see, his focus was past the sacrifice. It was really what God was going to accomplish with that sacrifice. Now, we know this is not the only prayer he prayed on that night. This prayer was prayed as they were walking toward the garden. It was before they had crossed the brook, Kidron. And then they cross the brook and they go into the garden, and I think we're more familiar, at least I am, more familiar with that prayer. It's much shorter. Father, please take this cup from me. But not my will, your will be done. So even after praying this prayer, all of these things that can only be accomplished with his sacrifice, Jesus still wants to ask the Father if there's any other way. Let's do that. Whatever that other way is, let's do that instead. There wasn't another way. We know from Romans and Hebrews that this sacrifice didn't just enable a relationship going forward. So Jesus is focused on the future, and he's praying about the future, and he's saying all these will believe, right, in the future. But we know that Jesus' sacrifice made God just and the justifier of all these other people that had sinned throughout all time. That was really the question leading up to the sacrifice of Jesus. Is, God, how can you countenance all this sin? 
How can you even talk to these people? How can you want to have a relationship with these people? Well, Jesus answers that question. Jesus allowed God to be just and the justifier. I think it's clear from this prayer, and in fact, I said earlier, Jesus was really focused on this before. If you go back to even John 14, right? Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. He wasn't talking about the cross. He was talking after the cross. Right? So we're not told what was exactly in Jesus' head and how he felt, but the way he's dealing with certain death is the way, like, I would have to deal with it. Is to think about the result after the fact. Think about the future. And obviously what Jesus was thinking about was not just his future, it was our future. We were part of the reason he coped with that certain death. In fact, Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way, Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Before the cross, there was joy set before him, is what Hebrews says. Well, that joy wasn't the cross. There's nothing joyful about dying on a cross for anybody. The joy that was set before Jesus is what that death would allow his father to do to forgive us and bring us into his company, into his family. Now, there are clear applications for all this, and I'm not getting into applications for us and how how we can adopt this kind of attitude in our lives and those kinds of things. Um, The purpose of this time has been for us to put ourselves in his place and remember that he was a man who was facing certain death, and he was facing a certain death it was more certain than really anything we can imagine because he put the plan in motion himself before he came to this earth to feel some of what he felt and to see the escape from temptation that God provides those who are facing such a thing. That escape is hope. That escape is joy that we can have. And we have that joy and that hope because of what he did because he faced that successfully.